Hello and welcome to another episode of Professors at Work, our weekly podcast from the American University of Beirut, where we talk to professors and scholars about the research they're doing, what they're discovering, and what it means for the rest of us. And this week, we're talking to a professor who's going to tell us about something that means a lot to all of us all around the world, which is water, groundwater resources in particular. I'm very happy to have as my guest, uh, Professor Joanna Dumar, who is an associate professor of uh, groundwater hydrology in the geology department at AUB. Uh, and she was also named uh, recently uh, one of the young scientists of the World Economic Forum. And uh, she has many other uh, titles and awards, but um, we're going to ask her to tell us about what she is discovering and what she's researching on this incredibly important issue for the whole region, Lebanon and the whole Middle East and, and much of the world. So, Professor Dumma, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. You bet. So, tell us, uh, the groundwater uh, issues and aquifers, I mean, these are life or death issues for many societies and they're getting uh, worse with climate change and um, and population growth and mismanagement of the environment. So where do you start in focusing your research? How do you pick the topic that you're focusing on now, for instance, in the last few years? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, as you said, groundwater is a very, very important research topic. So groundwater is also uh, considered the main source of fresh water for uh, domestic consumption mostly. And it it is going under a lot of constraints, so anthropogenic constraints and other mm -hmm. natural constraints. So and an increase of urbanization and demand will pose a lot of problems on the availability. So uh, this mm -hmm. is one incentive for which we, we work on groundwater. Add to this that it's an internationally uh, uh, hot topic, uh, like we, we would like to do science for the sake of science in this uh, field. So um, what I work on specifically are, is groundwater in very uh, complex aquifers. So mm -hmm. uh, we call them karst aquifers. So you can imagine water flowing in a cave and flowing mm -hmm. elsewhere within the cave where you don't see it, mm -hmm. and all of this interacting together. So water can flow at very fast rates in the cave and reach reach you in a couple of hours, while uh, the rest of the water is somewhere else uh, taking its time to uh, reach a spring or a well. So mm -hmm. uh, I work with these particular aquifers, uh, very heterogeneous ones, karst and mm -hmm. fractured aquifers. Mm -hmm. And what we work on is to characterize them more specifically, and to uh, try to get as much evidence possible, scientific evidence possible, to be able to protect them on the long run. So that's, okay. in a nutshell, the incentive for why we do this research. Okay, and, and when we talk of groundwater aquifers, we're talking about underground cavities or areas where water seeps into the ground from rain, from rivers, from runoff, from uh, whatever, right? It's naturally replenished. That's right. That's right. It comes either from snow or from rain. And in Lebanon, we have this uh, particular uh, snow-governed uh, highlands uh -huh. where uh, we also do some, uh, some research about this uh, snow-flow relationship and how uh -huh. eventually climate change will impact uh, the snow cover and will impact infiltration and later on will impact the availability at the spring. So we do this uh, through what we call numerical models. So mm -hmm. we want to translate the physical uh, the, the physical nature that we find that is quite a complex one into a, an easier numerical model so that we can eventually predict to any input what would be the output that is expected in terms of quality and quantity. Mm -hmm. And so you do this you do this work. 
primarily in Lebanon or Lebanon and the region, or do you go to other countries? Where's your focus geographically? Uh, now it's in Lebanon, uh, mostly. Mm -hmm. I work, I mean, I work with Amina as well, and I work in the Mediterranean. So we are part of mm -hmm. a consortium in the Mediterranean, where Lebanon is uh, some sort of case study for the application of different methods in order to create this network of uh, of uh, monitoring slash understanding of groundwater functioning in the MENA and in the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. So, but mostly we concentrate in pilot areas in Lebanon. So I have uh, our work, I, if I just want to put it in two words, it's mm -hmm. called from monitoring to modeling. Mm -hmm. So uh, you cannot possibly govern what you don't understand. And mm -hmm. our purpose is to understand via data and to provide decision support to, uh, mm -hmm. to prevent any uh, deterioration of groundwater. So uh, mm -hmm. we started by building a network of uh, a monitoring network on a catchment in Lebanon. We have one in the Matan Kisirwain area and another mm -hmm. one in the Beka area where we installed on springs uh, some sensors to measure flow, uh, some fluorometers to measure dyes, uh, some automatic samplers to take samples. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, also we have two climatic stations in these sites to be able to measure the input, climatic input. And this data is being taken at a very high resolution, so every 15 to 30 minutes. And wow. currently we're working on, we have acquired the modules, uh, th those are telemetric modules, to be installed on the sensors so that this uh, be transmitted via GPRS uh, to the desk instead of going every uh, two weeks and collect mm -hmm. the data. And this way we can process the data and a dashboard is being also produced, I mean, uh, uh, in order to uh, to provide the data online for anyone who would like to access it and uh, do science with it or just do proper management. So this mm. is like a pilot area that serves as a successful story to be applied mm -hmm. elsewhere in Lebanon and poorly investigated. Mm. So uh, let's get right to the bottom line. Uh, yeah. are, are we in trouble in Lebanon uh, with our groundwater uh, management and resources and protection? Or what, what are you finding from your research? Uh, yeah, um, actually, I don't go too much into uh, into governance and policy uh, yet. Um, all I'm trying to do is to uh, collect proper evidence. So, yes, I can tell that, I mean, uh, based on when we acquire those uh, this data from monitoring, uh -huh. we build those models and we have uh -huh. built different models for different uh, springs uh -huh. and uh, and based on these models, for instance, I'm just going to give you one example. Uh, we did a model for a spring that is uh, in the highlands of uh, Fareya. So it's a snow-governed uh -huh. spring. And this right. has shown basically what we did is first we, uh, we take the model, we put some input data in it, some precipitation and snow cover, and then we see how would the model react to it. Right. And we calibrate the model based on the observed data. So this is very important because without a calibrated and validated model, we cannot possibly be sure that this model functions the right way. Right. And then we took the global circulation models. We took some climatic ensembles and we uh, we use them as we downscale them and use them as input data. And mm -hmm. later on, we did some projection for the flow rate until 2100. And what we find is really like until 2070, we have high fluctuation in the amount of expected water. So it could go from a decrease of 
zero to minus 50% to minus 70% of the water that wow. is available. And after 2070, we will witness a drastic, abrupt change in snow cover. And this will impact really the groundwater available to us. So imagine you're in this rural area that would have an increasing demand in the coming years. Mm-hmm. And you, this spring is your only alternatives and you haven't really done proper uh, management of the water prior to that. So this is what we try to flag uh, for policymakers or for decision makers as much as we can through our studies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, you said you don't deal much in policy, but obviously the data, the results that you're getting from your modeling and your, your monitoring um, ultimately has to be translated into better um, water policies on the whole, not only protecting the aquifers, but you know, pricing water, selling water, distribution systems, leakage. There's all these, uh, so many aspects of how water reaches the household. Uh, or the uh, school or the factory. Uh, so, sure. w- what? Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I mean, um, in terms of policy, we waited. I mean, it's been seven years we're doing this monitoring since 2014 and has been funded by loads of uh, uh, funding agencies uh, mm-hmm. uh, because, I mean, this requires a lot of instrumentation as well. Of course. Uh, so, so we waited until uh, we had enough data to be able to uh, to uh, to draw some conceptual model of mm-hmm. the available water. And uh, later on, what we're working on, for instance, now is a policy brief based on groundwater protection. So, uh, so I, I just started to work on this. So, based on a mapping of the resilience of the aquifer to inherent mm-hmm. contamination. Okay, so we get maps and these maps will show us where are the areas that are uh, less resilient to contamination or Mm -hmm. more vulnerable to contamination. And through Mm -hmm. this specific example, we're trying to write a policy brief on how to better protect at the at the scale of the land use land cover our Mm -hmm. aquifers, for instance. Mm -hmm. But this is I mean, uh, I think what what would be needed eventually is to have some policymakers uh, sitting up with scientists and where where they share the information they have and mm-hmm. see what could be useful and create this symbiotic uh, relationship where a good policy uh, a brief could come out of it based on science evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they, I, I've I've looked at water issues for many years on the mm-hmm. in the Middle East and in Jordan and Lebanon and other countries where I've uh, done research. Uh, and you know, writing. I've written books on things like the Jordan Valley and agriculture. And my impression uh, over the last forty-five years of doing this is that the water management uh, systems in in the majority of Arab countries uh, has not been very uh, efficient. There's a lot of uh, corruption. There's a lot of leakage. There's a lot of private wells that are not licensed. So when you take a look at the whole entire picture of water, including you know, desalination and whatever. Um, uh, do you have a sense that mm-hmm. the Lebanon and the Arab region around it uh, are moving towards difficult times, or are there indicators that people are starting to understand the, the delicacy and the fragility and the vulnerability of the water situation and perhaps taking measures to make sure that we don't actually run out of water, as is happening in places like in northeast Syria or, or in Iran, where they have huge, and Yemen, they have huge water uh, shortages. 
Um, yes, I mean, again, I, I must say that, um, I, I mean, in the region uh, and in Lebanon in particular, what is really lacking is the, the adequate studies that would allow us to find the right alternatives and that allow mm -hmm. us to, uh, to come up with the right management plan. So most of the studies that we do are at the regional scale. So we assess, mm -hmm. for instance, water budgets annually, whereas this is not the case. And I go back to these karst aquifer that I look at. Mm -hmm. So if you take, for instance, a very important spring that feeds Beirut, uh, 1.5 million inhabitants. So if I look at its flow rate during the years, and I'm just going to uh, throw, throw some numbers. Mm -hmm. So during, during the winter time, the, this, the flow rate could reach up to 20 cubic meter per second with mm -hmm. an average rate of eight cubic meter per second, while in summertime and for almost six months during the year and currently increasing because of the climate change problem, we can reach one cubic meter per second. So wow. the, the nature is not really, I mean, distributing wealth uh, uh, temporarily or spatially the right way. Mm -hmm. And if we look at annual budget, we can see that we have a lot of water. But if yes. we look really at... Uh, the problem months by month over day by day, we can see that we are facing a lot of problems. And this would require infrastructures, for instance, to store the water from times where we have uh, an excess until times where we have deficits. And here comes the technological advancements and the infrastructure. What would be the best alternative to use? I mean, would it be necessarily dams or shallow sophisticated and hot topics such as managed aquifer recharge, for instance, that is less right. uh, uh, toxic to the environment and where you don't have to build large infrastructures. Or what about on the, uh, on the water uh, demand side from, uh, from the consumption demand, industrial demand, agricultural yeah, from, demand? Mm, uh, that also, I mean, again, I'm not an expert on the demand side, but I can just say uh, in terms of when we do our models, for instance, we look at the amount of water that are being pumped from wells because we mm -hmm. need to input this in our models. And we look at the amount of water that is being used for surface irrigation uh, while we could use more efficient techniques. So when I, when I look at this amount of water that is removed from the system uh, during summertime where we have le the least water, to uh, to spare then mm -hmm. in that case we hear other infrastructural uh, uh, interventions and awareness uh, interventions should come in place in order to decrease the the amount of water that we're using per capita and also to find better uh, alternatives way for irrigation for instance this is not my field but i only deal with it in terms of uh, when we build up a model uh, where we take the ins and outs into account yeah yeah and this raises a question of uh, there are so many different dimensions of uh, the water issue, consumption, pricing, storage, conveyance, etc. Do you interact with um, people in other departments, for instance, I don't know, sociology or anthropology or food, uh, agriculture and food science, um, uh, household behavior, uh, psychology, whatever? Um, there seems to be a, a, a ripe area for interdisciplinary uh, joint analysis on the issue of water, not just in the aquifer as you're looking at it, which is critically important, but water in all of society. 
Yes. So we have only started like two years ago. I mean, at the beginning, you you built your research. Uh, you look at the uh, at the tiny little details to to build the story, and then now we're looking at the bigger picture. So since two years, I'm involved in a project with the UNESCO that is uh, putting groundwater within the uh, water food energy nexus. So because uh -huh. most of the time we take water as water resources in general, but groundwater is a very important resource that is. Uh, that is not uh, given its uh, its real value most of the uh -huh. time. So we're looking into how to optimize this these synergies between groundwater and these uh, and food, for instance. And this is where we have to talk to uh, people in agriculture or even energy. We have to talk to and uh, uh -huh. and we we trying to optimize these synergies so that groundwater is not a trade off at the end of the day through the uh -huh. appropriate policy. So this is also a consortium between different countries uh, from different continents and we're trying to promote uh, this now with social scientists i mean this is the trend again if you look at any funding agencies they're promoting interdisciplinary uh, 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 projects now mm -hmm. and uh, i think this this would be eventually the trend uh, later on to 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 uh, to have econ economists and psychologists and behavioral scientists uh, teaming up with uh, with uh, with water scientists to find a more suitable integrated uh, solution to this problem. Right. Mm -hmm. You said yeah. you've been doing this monitoring of the uh, groundwater aquifers for seven years now. Um, mm -hmm. In that short period of time, relatively short, when mm -hmm. we're talking of uh, you know geological timescales. Yeah. Um, uh, have you noticed anything stand out uh, uh, about the uh, reliability of the water flow, the quality of the water? Is there anything that uh, strikes mm. you as uh, you've discovered that's really significant and people should know about it? Yeah, I mean, the variability first. I mean, even over this sh short period of time. I mean, for hydrogeologists, seven years is 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 fine to calibrate <laughs> and validate the model. Okay. Uh, a geologist wouldn't agree with me. I mean, it's more of a million years. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but we have noticed a variability from year to year in the cl climatic input and in the output, obviously. But also we monitor uh, what we call... Uh, uh, indicators of quality. So, uh, so what we do is that we monitor pharmaceuticals in groundwater as well, in a particular area that is affected by a river that infiltrates into it. And what we do when we monitor these pharmaceuticals, we don't do it for a uh, for a, a health issue. We we look at them to see how the water is being transported and what is the fate of these persistent pharmaceuticals. For instance, I'm going to give an example, artificial sweeteners such as sucralose and acesulfam mm -hmm. or contrast medias or lipid regulators. And mm -hmm. we try from, uh, to uh, backtrack the amount of these pharmaceuticals used on the catchments and their origin. So this is what we do. And we can... By comparing 2015 to 2017 to 2020, we can see an increase of these mass loads mm -hmm. uh, on the spring, which are yet not toxic. And this is right. this is what is good in Lebanon. We're not an industrialized country uh, to, uh, to, I mean, to be that uh, contaminated. However, we lack all right. sorts of wastewater treatment plants. So, so with uh, that down the road, I mean, we're going to have serious problems later on. So you can p pinpoint some of these warning signals early on uh, before they become really dangerous or toxic. 
That's right. And we try to find their correlation with indicator parameters. So, uh, for instance, we try to find their correlation with low-cost indicators. We measure turbidity, how much clays you have in water. Uh -huh. And we try to find if whether this turbidity can be an indicator for a potential contamination. And we try to incorporate this in what we call early warning systems as well. So it's all about characterizing uh, what is a little thing we, we like a detective, the little things that we pick from uh, a spring, a well, uh, uh -huh. to understand a little bit more about how all of this functions. Yeah. Uh -huh. Interesting. We've almost run out of time. Uh, what is the next phase of your research? So it's to, uh, to, to work a little bit more into, uh, into developing more robust uh, modeling technique for karsts, uh, especially the more complex ones, and also to, uh, to work more on this early warning system aspect. And we're going a little bit more into uh, this computational aspect of, of things. Uh, but generally, um, uh, and also try to incorporate, as you said, other disciplines uh, into yeah. groundwater, just to try to to make an impact, uh, uh, like science, so that science makes an impact somehow. Right. Yeah. Well, reaching reaching policymakers, reaching the public. I mean, these are critically important things, but that, that can only be done after you have the scientific data which you're working on. That's right. That's right. Right. Well, yeah. we've, we've run out of time. Um, yeah. uh, I just wanted for... to say something, yes. Rami. Yes. Just, I mean, it's a, very, it's a nice opportunity for me because this is the year for groundwater, 2022. Uh -huh. And uh, our motto is to make the, uh, the invisible visible. And thank you for the opportunity for allowing me to do that. Well, it's a pleasure. And thank you for the great work you do with thank your you. colleagues and students at AUB. Our guest has been Professor uh, Joanna Dumar, who is uh, Associate Professor of uh, Groundwater Hydrology uh, at AUB in the Geology Department. Uh, thank you for being with us, and we look forward to following up down the road on what's coming out of your research and other people doing similar work. Thank you. You bet. And thanks to our audience for being with us. This is Rami Khoury, your host for Professors at Work. Join me again next week for another episode. Bye for now.